Welcome back, or welcome, if this is your first time listening to Queer Radio. It's Lunix. Hi. <laughs> I hope you all are doing well out there in the world. Um, I know this week, this month, is really heavy for a lot of people. When I'm recording this, it's a new moon in Cancer today for July. Um, I wanted to record this episode this weekend, but I was just too emotional. I was just crying too much and my mind was just elsewhere. So I gave myself a much needed self-help, <laughs> self-care break. So I'm back. I hope you all are taking a moment to prioritize and think about. Um, I know we have a lot to think about right now, but it's really important to prioritize our mental health. So I wanted to have a whole episode dedicated to mental health, talking about mental health, my own personal struggles with mental health, and what I'm hoping to do with this episode is to really just start a conversation with people and just let them know, like, hey, we might be struggling, we might all be struggling with something, we might not all know what's going on, but it's okay to talk about it, it's okay to tell someone, it's okay to open up, it's okay to be vulnerable. So this is my moment, <laughs> I'm to be vulnerable with the internet, it's what I do, it's what I love doing, and I hope it resonates with someone out there, so... Thank you so much for taking some time today to listen. Also, thank you so much for the support um, on this journey that I'm having. And thank you so much for just the the love that I've been receiving this whole time. And I know 2020 hasn't been the easiest year for, for anyone. Um, but I'm really happy that people <laughs> in my circle are being really supportive. So I really appreciate all of you. Um, and I want to just honor the people that have been in my life. So thank you. Um, you all give me a reason to smile through all of the hard days, through all of the cloudy days. And disclaimer, uh, this episode, I will be discussing my personal experiences with mental health. Um, so I'm not an expert. Don't take this as legal advice, medical advice. Um, always consult an expert. So if folks might feel some type of way um, about the things that I say, or they might feel triggered, or they might be affected, just to check in with yourself. Take a moment right now just to make sure that you're okay. You can listen to this episode if you want to at a different time, if you're more able to, but I just want to make sure that you center yourself. So give yourself that moment to center yourself in this moment. What do I need to hear? What do I need to know? Also, I'm sorry if you can hear that in the background. There's a lot of um, road work, a lot of construction, so you're probably going to hear a lot of cars. My apologies on that. That's that's where I live. <laughs> it's never a quiet day here. And also, if anyone is experiencing those heavy emotions, to reach out to someone. So that could be a friend, a trusted adult, or a trusted resource that you know. And also, trigger warning, I am going to be talking about self-harm today, about suicide, and about death. Um, I will try to be more intentional with my trigger warnings. I realized in my last episode I probably should have put a trigger warning, um, so my apologies. I'm getting back in the swing of this, so my apologies on that. <laughs> Alright, so this episode is talking about mental health. So here we go. So millions of people suffer with mental health. We all know this. 
Okay, we know that millions of people are suffering alone um, because of lack of access to traditional resources, so psychotherapy, peer support groups, medication management, and other vital mental health services. We know now more than ever in this time, <laughs> there's a lot of people that don't have safe living environments. Not a lot of people have access to talk about these things openly and where they live because they're with family members, they're with other relatives, they're with um, their abuser, they're with other survivors, and it's a really difficult space to navigate right now. Not everyone has that privilege to to um, to have counseling appointments from their house. There's privilege in that. Um, and so if anyone is feeling anything like I mentioned earlier, just give yourself a moment. If this is the moment that you are going to allow yourself to feel your feelings, use this. Use this podcast as a moment for you. Journal what you're thinking right now. Use this as inspiration for what you're struggling with, what you're going through. And so for me, I've struggled with mental health my whole life. Um, I've been clinically diagnosed with depression and general anxiety disorder. And over the past five years, um, I've been suffering from severe panic attacks. And that is just because of a lot of recent death, um, my mom passing away, my, my dog passing away, it just it created a lot of anxiety for me and created a lot of fear. Um, and so I would do all the things, start hyperventilating, calling people, texting people, being very erratic with my behaviors. So that's something that's new to my mental health journey or what I'm noticing with myself. Um, and although I've overcome a lot of demons, like I've come a long way, um, I still have those those thoughts, those demons, those hard, hard emotions, those difficult emotions. They're still they're still affecting me. They're still creating um, difficulties, barriers for me to maintain healthy relationships, healthy connections with people. And so that's something that I'm working on to this day. And also, I want to just put this out there: like living with mental health is not easy. So. I know a lot of things in the media or a lot of people want to politicize mental health and be like, what do you have to be sad about? What do you like? I'm tired of that. Like, there's a lot of people struggling right now. and We're not here to compare people's struggles. We're here to validate people and be like, hey, you're going through a difficult time. Okay, let me help you. I'm not going to be like, oh, well, you are suffering three times less than this person. So I'm going to care about you three times less. Like that is not how we're supposed to live our lives. That's not how we're supposed to care for people. And so whatever you're struggling with, it's not easy. And there's no magic formula, right? There's, there's no prescription that is going to cure you of your illnesses. The medications and therapy and coping skills and supportive networks is to help you manage your symptoms, to help you live a healthy life and to hopefully <laughs> I say hopefully because I don't even have this but to live a life where your mental health isn't in control of your life where you are in control of your life and your mental health and I know that's a very hard thing to do um, and so with all these things these outlets you can only manage your symptoms and practice healthy coping skills to build your resiliency over time. 
And the primary goal for a lot of people um, is to continue living. That is the primary goal. I know a lot of people have goal setting of, you know, I just want to stop being depressed. I want to, I want to stop taking medication. I want to, you know, stop going to therapy because I feel so codependent on it. So those are, those are goals that people can have, but some of the primary goals is just to continue living because for a lot of people, they want to die by suicide because they want the pain to go away. They want the voices to go away. They want the heartbreak to go away. So we don't want to give people that option, that outlet. We want to make sure that they live every day that they possibly can live. And if they can choose to live, that is what we want them to choose. Um, also, illnesses like mental health, like psychological, emotional illnesses, they come with a lot of pain. Okay, And so that pain could be manifested in physical symptoms, but it can also be psychological. So someone who is depressed is not going to have the same reaction. So don't assume just because someone is depressed, they're going to be crying all the time. Don't assume that if someone is depressed, they're going to be sleeping every single day. Like that's not, that's not true for a lot of people. A lot of people um, manage their depression by working extra hard or putting all of their energy into something that they care about or you know, constantly going out or constantly talking to friends. Like, people cope with their mental health in different ways. So we cannot generalize their symptoms or their symptomology or tell them that they're not depressed because they're not experiencing this or they're not going through this or they're not exhibiting these factors because those are just indicators. They're not telling us this is what's happening. It's just an indication of what might be happening. And so... When we talk about mental health, when we talk about struggles with mental health, anything can set people off from a certain word to a particular question or even a specific smell. We know that smell is one of the strongest um, indicators for our emotions in terms of our memory. And so sometimes, like, if we smell something, we're, we remember this moment so vividly. So for some people, that trigger is intense. And that can happen at any time, any place. And I know for myself, I can only prepare myself to the best of my ability. Meaning I know where I am. I know where I'm going. I know who's going to be there. Um, I know what's going to happen. That's all that I can control or think of controlling. But... There's situations where I go somewhere, wasn't expecting to see this person, saw this person, or um, just going about my day and I, and I saw a text or a message or um, something on the news or, or something where it's just like I didn't expect that and that affected me and I'm feeling it. It's heavy. <laughs> so that's also another thing, another big word that people love to politicize where it's like, oh, trigger warning or I'm triggered. It's like, no, people are actually... Um, going through life and they're having really hard times so we should not generalize we should not trivialize and we should not minimize people's pain and also um, with the road to recovery when we talk about mental health um, 
we're not going to be perfect. We're not going to have perfect days. We are going to fuck up. We are going to hurt people. We are going to lash out. We are going to project um, our trauma, our pain onto other people. Um, And sometimes we're going to hurt people. Okay? And we need to hold ourselves accountable when we cause harm to others. Okay, my illness or my illnesses are not an excuse for any form of violence. So holding yourself accountable for those situations and talking to the person that you caused harm or directly hurt, how can I show up for you? How can, what can I do to hold myself accountable? What do you need in this moment? Do you need me to not talk to you? Do you need me to um, seek my own help? Do you need me to do XXX like this, this, or that? So it's like, what are we, what are we doing for survivors? So always centering survivors and never centering our, ourselves in terms of like, this is what I want to hold my neck. No, 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 no. Like the person that you hurt, that person is who you should be listening to. Uh, because that person is the person that is going to be the one that is going to say, you know what? Yes, you have held yourself accountable. Thank you for the work that you have done. Don't stop doing the work. Keep doing it. And so for myself personally, when we talk about mental health, um, as I began to experience like bigger traumatic events, the more my depression and anxiety grew. And I didn't seek professional help. So I didn't go to therapy until um, I was in college. So, you know, I just graduated college um, two years ago. And I believe I went to therapy my sophomore year. Yeah, I think that's when I was having a really hard living situation and a hard freshman year. So I was just like, you know what, I need help. (laughs) And so my parents did help me find a therapist. um, And I tried to seek help in high school when I was younger. It was just it was harder for me to access, you know, both my parents were very busy. I had a very busy schedule. Um, and so I didn't have the time nor the energy to put into my mental health. So when I got older, I was like, no, I have the ability now. I'm going to try to prioritize my mental health. And so I was starting that journey, right? Starting that journey, talking to therapist doing cognitive behavioral therapy um, and that's what worked for me and I was talking about my issues and I've had a few therapists since then and they've really helped me grow as an individual Um, but growing up I didn't have that privilege right like so many people no one talked to me about mental health no one talked to me about depression they always said like oh people with mental health they're crazy um or it's like people that take drugs they're crazy that's the narrative that i got fed when i was younger so i automatically assume like oh that's not my problem that's other people's problems and you know nobody nobody told me to question how i was feeling or to check in with myself and say how am I feeling today? How am I doing? You know, no one never, no one ever told me to do that. Um, and, you know, growing up, like so many people, we, we learn what other people think is important. So we prioritize those, those things, right? Those important details over what's important to us or what's important in our lives. 
So I never really stopped to consider myself or what I wanted to learn. I didn't think I mattered. I honestly didn't think I had a voice growing up. Um, and I remember my most recent therapist um, telling me after the intake and after a few sessions with me, he noticed that I was just wearing a mask, that I was protecting myself from other people. So the person that he saw in front of him was not the same person that was in my file because he didn't do my, my intake. Another counselor did. So he was reading my file and then he met me in person and he's like, these two people aren't matching up. This is like a severely depressed person, really anxious, suicidal person. And now you're here and you're well composed and all these things. Right. And so like, that's, was him challenging me where it's like, who are you trying to impress? Who are you trying um, to pretend that everything is fine? Like you can be vulnerable here. This is a space for that. And yeah, I clinged, I clinged to that. I clinged to that performativism. And I think that performance was taught. Um, a lot of my family told me and, and told, told us that you have to keep things a secret. You have to hide things from people. Um, people don't need to know that. People don't need to know your personal life. People don't need to know that you're struggling. If they ask you how you're doing, you say that you're fine and that's it. <laughs> so, I mean, I've done a lot of work where I'm like, no, 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 I'm going to be honest. I'm going to speak my mind if I have the privilege, if I have the space to, and if it's a place where I can speak my mind freely, freely I will. Um, and so for a lot of people, they don't have that. And so I want to recognize that. And I want to honor that. Mental health isn't a, isn't a linear process. People's healing isn't linear. It might take people longer than they expected to heal. And that's okay. You will get there. No matter what shape or form that will be. And for me, um, I struggle. I struggle with that perfect life, right? That, that idea in your head of like, this is a perfect life. This would be my perfect life. And I'm not talking about the <laughs> cis heteronormative idea of a perfect life. So I'm not talking about, I want to get married and have two kids and, um, have a white picket fence surrounding my beautiful two-story home like that is excuse me that is not that is not my dream <laughs> I don't need to waste my energy or my time thinking about that version of happiness because that's not my version that can be someone's version but that's not mine and so when I think about my perfect life I really think about something more than just a normal quote-unquote family I really want for myself to be happy, to truly be happy in this world is I want an ever expanding community. So I don't want to just have two people. I just, I want to have a whole community surrounding me and me surrounding other people and creating this community together. And so it's like where love takes many forms with different people. And I truly want a safety net. So that's something that I've struggled with, with my mental health. Um, 
I've struggled with having a safety net. I struggled with having a safe space. I struggled with having just a community. I've struggled with that my whole life. And that's something that I will always struggle with. And so that's something that I've always wanted and something that I always strive for. And really, when it comes down to when we talk about a safe net, like a safety net or a safe place, we're really talking about a place where I don't have to constantly worry about my safety. I don't have to constantly worry about my security. And I don't have to constantly worry about the next heartbreak in my life. Like, I'm, I will be protected. I can get through this type thing. And so a place where I am free. A place to just show up, be myself, and that's it. No exceptions, no requirements, just existing. And the internet has been that place um, that I've slowly, over time, and as I've gotten older, developed spaces that are healthier for me. And to acknowledge that if I really want to create spaces, that I need to do the work, and I need to be present, um, and I need to do my own research, and sometimes create my own communities, or create my own safe spaces, if that's something that I need to do. And I hope, I really hope to continue growing these relationships, these digital relationships. Um, And I can see how my privilege has evolved with mental health and my intellectual capital and my financial capital. So I have a full-time job now. I have a bachelor's degree. Um, I've had a lot of internships. I've had a lot of jobs. So it's like, I know who to call if I need my medication or if I need to schedule a doctor's appointment or a therapy appointment or advocate for myself to get my records or, you know, anything in the medical industrial complex, like I know what to say, who to say and how to say it. And not a lot of people have that. A lot of people are still struggling to get their rights respected. And a lot of people are still struggling to get help because the system is like, no, sorry, we're not able to help you, or, oh, sorry, um, didn't was not able to return your phone call, or, oh, sorry, I didn't get your fifth voicemail, try again. Um, so for a lot of people, they don't have that. And so navigating this medical industrial complex, I have that privilege. I'm, I work in mental health, so it's like I know the ins and outs. And so without that knowledge, I would I would be in a way different position. And so what I'm doing is I'm not gatekeeping, right? I'm not gatekeeping that knowledge. I'm making sure that people have access to things. I'm making sure that people know what to say, who to call, where to call, who to speak to, all of these things. So that way they can get the help they need. So that's something that I'm learning as I'm developing myself as a human being, but also like recognizing I hold a lot of privilege in a lot of spaces and I need to use my privilege. And this isn't me putting emotional labor onto other people. This is me doing the work, me being an ally. That's what being an ally is. And there's going to be some people that are allies for me. I'm going to be allies for them. It's a, it's mutual relationship. It's, It's not mutually exclusive. It's something that we grow. That's the point of a community. We help each other. And with my mental health um, journey, it hasn't been easy. I've had a lot of episodes, (laughs) a lot of hard times, a lot of difficult days. And 
when I think about those moments, those low moments in my life, those truly painful moments in my life, I would not relive them. I would not go back. Um, these moments have shaped who I am and have given me so much perspective on the world and insight into the human experience, but I, I would never, never experience that. I would never want to relive that. That is my worst fear, my worst nightmare, and I don't want that ever to come true. Um, even thinking about that now, like I'm, I, I'm anxious. <laughs> I'm, I have anxiety just thinking about that and thinking about it again. And um, over the years, like I mentioned, I've had severe panic attacks. So for my friends who took care of me in those moments, you know who you are. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for helping me get home safely. Um, thank you for for picking up the phone and for opening your home to me and and just allowing me to have my panic attacks and to spiral and to freak out and and to cry and to watch whatever pointless movie I needed to watch in that moment because I was just so depressed. So thank you, thank you, thank you, just thank you, thank you for. I'll talk about this in another uh, podcast episode about my dog, but thank you for my friends who, and their and their father, <laughs> for showing up for me um, when my dog died. And just, I don't know who I would be. Thank you to my friend who picked up picked up the phone uh, when my dog died and just let me cry and yell and scream. Thank you. Thank you. And I want to tell those people more. <laughs> that I thank them so much, but those experiences, these hard moments that I'm going to share right now has really told me, has really told me to value, you know, tell people that you miss them more. Try to call people more, try to text people more. You know, I'm not perfect. I might forget to text, but I'm like, if I write into my calendar where I'm going to text you next Tuesday, I'm going to text you next Tuesday. Like I am putting my energy into doing that. And I'm not perfect. Um, I have hard days where I still freak out. I still spiral. We still have those dark days, but I know I'm not alone. Um, and I know I'm not my my illnesses. I'm I'm not my mental health. I'm not my struggles. I'm not my depression. I'm not my anxiety. That is a part of me. That is not me. That is not my whole self. Um, and so now I'm going to be talking about some more severe. Um, experiences, how I've overcame them, and what I've learned from them. So the first one is talking about my car accident. So it's been almost two years since my major car accident. Um, that was my second car accident I've ever been in where I was driving or behind the wheel. Some of you might know, some of you might not know, but I got into a three-car collision a few minutes after leaving work. So I was driving. I was a almost, almost a block. I almost drove a block away um, or half a block away from my work. Um, and I was having a really difficult mental health week that week. Um, and it was just becoming too much. And so during that time, I was dissociating a lot more and more throughout the day, throughout the hours. And so I didn't realize it. <laughs> Um, and for dissociating, for people that don't know, um, 
Google is free, but <laughs> for dissociating, it's just disconnecting from the real world, uh, shutting down mentally, physically. Um, so that's like dissociating. I'm disassociating or I'm not associating with my environment anymore. Um, I'm taking myself out of that environment. And so I didn't realize it at the time, but I was driving and then I started to dissociate and I forgot I was driving. And by the time that I regained my senses, um, the light turned red. <laughs> I didn't have time to slam on my brakes or react. I literally was just like, and boom. And so I ran the light. <laughs> I was going well over the speed limit. I don't remember how fast I was going, but I crashed head on to a delivery uh, van. I'm so sorry for all the packages <laughs> in there. I apologize for that. Um, that delivery van tipped over on its side, landed on another car. Um, nobody was severely hurt. Nobody, nobody died. Thankfully, we all walked away with very minor bruises, minor cuts, things like that. Um, and I was lucky, you know, I was lucky that nobody, nobody was severely hurt. I was able to walk away. Um, thank you to my friends who took me to the, um, the hospital <laughs> with my dad just to get a checkup because I was just scared and I had a lot of pain. Um, so that was a wake up call. That was a wake up call where I'm like, whoa, I can't do that again. I'm not going to get a second chance like that ever again. And I wasn't scared. Um, right before the crash, um, you know, I I accepted it. I accepted whether or not I was going to die in that moment. Um, if that was going to be my last moment that I was going to remember on this earth, uh, so be it. I accepted it. Um, I wasn't scared. And thank you to people that were supportive of me, that were helping me through that time um, after the crash and being supportive. Um, not everyone has that. Not everybody has those outlets. So thank you. I'm very honored to, to have that space and to have these people in my life. Um, and so during that time, I really, after my car accident, I needed to find a reason to live again. I needed to find motivation and passion. And this is something that I struggle with still to this day of, you know, finding hope and inspiration through dark days. Um, so I stopped trying to isolate myself more. Um, I went to therapy more consistently. I started opening up to people. So that's where my vulnerability started to come through. And I was like, hey, you know what? Like, I'm tired of being a victim. I'm tired of being someone who struggles in silence. Um, I really recommend uh, Brave by Sarah Bareilles. That's an amazing song that helped me through my depression in high school. I used to write um, the lyrics on sticky notes and then those sticky notes would be around my desk, in my bathroom. Like I would just have it everywhere, like just really positive quotes from the song. So if you need a really good song to just get you motivated, to be vulnerable, to be yourself, listen to that song. I'll probably link it in the show notes. Um, that's a song that I always love. And it was filmed at CSUN. Fun fact, it was filmed at my university that I attended, some portions of it at the library. So back on track, right? Um, so I needed to find that motivation, that reason to live. 
Uh, it's because of that vulnerability, I was able to connect better with people. And so that's something that I struggled with. I can never really connect with people because I didn't know what to talk about. I, I'm really good at small talk because that's all that I learned when I was younger. But I started to develop more serious, more meaningful relationships with people. And that's because I decided to be vulnerable. I decided to say enough is enough. I want to connect with someone. I want to talk to someone. And I started to feel less alone. So thankfully, you know, I thank God every day. Um, I haven't been in a car accident since. Um, I've been driving a lot less because of the stay-at-home order, because of the pandemic. Um, I drive locally now. I, I haven't been on the freeway in, in a month. Um, and, I, and I don't know. <laughs> Driving is such a chaotic thing for me. It's so hard uh, for me to be comfortable with. Uh, I've overcame a lot <laughs> in my life, but driving is something that I will never fully be comfortable with. And so I also want to talk about self-harm and, and just harming oneself because it's a part of my journey. So for me, um, right now, it's been over two months since I last harmed myself. Um, before this period, it was six months, so I was six months free. Um, and, you know, a lot of people harm themselves in different ways, whether that be through, um, like, inflicting cuts or wounds or pulling body parts or bruising themselves or breaking things or, you know, all the things, right? So I had a lot of issues growing up and, um, I would punch the walls a lot and I had a few, um, holes in my wall in my childhood room, um, that I covered up with some awards or something, <laughs> um, just because I had so much pain and so I would use my fists. My fists or my hands, um, are really my source of pain that I can give myself and, um, a couple years ago, I think it's been three years now, um, but I gave myself a black eye. So I was in a very dark place um, and I couldn't take it. My emotions were too, too, too severe. And so I started lashing out um, on myself, started punching myself with all of my strength, just blow after blow to every side of my face. I didn't care. Because um, I wanted to feel that pain. I wanted to be hurt. Like, hurt me. <laughs> I'm tired. I don't, like, there's so much pain in me. I just want to feel it. Um, and so I gave myself a black eye. My whole face was swollen. It was red. Uh, uh, my eye was, I had a black eye whew, for a few months. That was, like, really noticeable. And then I think it took about a year to a year and a half for the bruise to finally lighten up. Um, so if you look at some of my old YouTube videos, or if you look at some old photos of me, you can notice, you can notice the eye with the bruise. You can notice that it looks a little bit different. <laughs> and, you know, no one, no one said anything to me, like classmates or anything. Um, one of my teachers, he literally was being so stupid. And he, I was like at his office hours and there was two other students and then like an advisor for the program. They like walked by, the door was open and my professor was like, who beat you up? Who hit you? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's just like, don't, like you don't, don't, don't leave this room. Like, like saying like, 
like tell me what happened like and I was like no no one hit me I no one hit me and he's like that's a lie don't lie to me and I was like looking like because there's other people here like I'm not about to air my dirty laundry I was like you know I was playing rugby at the time and I was like oh I made an excuse of like oh I was playing rugby um uh, I collided with another person this happens we he's like no that looks like someone punched you I was like you know what I don't want to have this conversation and I walked away and I've never brought it up to that teacher I never talked about that teacher in terms of like going up to him telling him what happened just didn't feel comfortable and so for me for for that black guy that looking at that black guy um, even looking at it now it was just a source of my pain because there's a constant reminder of I have a problem I don't know how to get help this is my cry for help And for a lot of my life, I was unstable. Um, and, it, and it was just because like I w- wasn't taking medication. I wasn't taking the proper medication. Now I'm finally at my correct dose um, of antidepressants and anti-anxiety. And I'm sleeping a lot better. Um, I feel a lot more motivated. I feel like I have a lot more energy. Um, I feel like I have more compassion not compassion, but the ability to give and to show compassion and empathy and understanding to people because I felt like I was just an empty cup trying to give people water when I had no water to give um, and I was just struggling. And so I've come a long way, <laughs> right? I've come a long way since then. And I'm still learning new things every day to protect myself. You know, my anxiety and my depression want to blame me for things I didn't do or didn't control um, or didn't cause. You know, my anxiety wants me to believe that I was the sole reason. They want to blame me for everything that someone else went through. Say, my mom's death. Like, I blame myself. I was, I thought I, you know, if I called her before, if I picked up my phone or if I returned her phone call, maybe she would have been alive um, and I wouldn't have this guilt anymore. Um or, you know, other people's pain of like, wow, this other person is struggling. Like, it's my fault. I, I could do so much more. Like, they're going to kill themselves and I'm going to be responsible. Like, I could have done something to prevent that. So I would take that responsibility, which that is not my burden to take. So my anxiety wants me to believe that, wants me to believe all of those things. And I'm still unlearning a lot of shit, a lot of shit that's happened to me. Um, in my past so I'm grateful for the ability the space that I have to process it the faith that I have the spirituality that I have the family that I have the community that I have thank you Um, you've taught me so much about myself and the world and I wouldn't be here (laughs) I really wouldn't I would not be on this earth if it wasn't for you for all of you and so the biggest thing, the biggest lesson I want people to learn from this is I am healthier now because I have support. So I'm not doing this alone. I am not alone. Okay, I'm healthier now because I was able to receive help. I was able to get help in some way, shape, or form. So maybe that's calling a 24-hour hotline. Maybe that's calling um, your your best friend or calling uh, your loved one or your parent or your grandparent or your aunt someone that you respect and who you love and who who you know 
deep down, like, this person won't judge me. That might be a teacher, you know? I know kids nowadays are struggling, going through a lot of trauma right now, and it's like sometimes that teacher, that supportive teacher, was their support system. And so it's like making sure those kids are able to connect with those trusted adults. Um, And I'm healthier now because I have relationships that I feel good about. I feel like I'm in healthy friendships. I'm in healthy relationships with people. Um, and that makes me stronger. And I know now that I'm never alone. Um, even if I feel isolated or isolate myself. And another big thing, um, I'm healthier now because my environment is healthier to live in. Um, my home feels like a home again. After my mom died and after my dog died, especially after my mom died, um, my house felt empty. It felt cold. It felt devoid of love, and I was not okay. I had a lot of breakdowns. I cried so much, and I was in so much pain. Um, and I'm out. You know, I got out, and that was one of my goals for for this year, was to move out. Um, and, you know, my dad had his kidney transplant in December, and we seriously, we talked about it. You know, we talked about it um, in November. We talked about it uh, in December. And I was honest with him. And I was like, hey, I do want to move out. Like, that is something I want to do. Um, And he's just like, I know. And for me, for myself, I was like, I will wait. You know, I I know your doctor was saying March. That's when you would get your kidney. I'm I'm willing to wait until you get your kidney. I want to be here for you. But I also want to recognize, like, hey, I'll be here, but also I'm, I will make an exit plan for myself. Uh, my dad, super fortunate. He was on the wait list for a kidney transplant for four years. Um, he was able to get his kidney December ooh, December 18th or December 19th, one of those two days. <laughs> um, he got it, thankfully, early. Um, it's He's doing well. Um, He's passed the six-month mark of his of his transplant. Things are things are looking good. His health is improving. He's having a great time <laughs> living where he's living, and I love that for him. I I text him, you know, every chance I get, every day, or I try to call him um, every once in a while just to check in, just to see how he's doing. In fact, I'll probably text him tomorrow and be like, "Hey, uh, you want to call tomorrow? We can talk on the phone." See, look at me prioritizing. Saying like, hey, I'm going to put stuff out to the universe. I'm going to check in with people more. Um, So following with those principles, with those values. Um, Another really healthy environment that I have is social media. And so a lot of people have to take social media breaks. That is okay. Take as many social media breaks as you need to. Delete social media apps if you need to. I know for me, I will never re-download Snapchat. There is so much trauma (laughs) that I still have yet to unpack (laughs) with social media. I mean, I've unpacked it now, obviously. I'm healthier with social media, but it does. No, 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 no. (laughs) Struggle, struggling, struggle. Whoever is honking their, their horn right now, I'm having a moment. Are you done? Okay, I think they're done honking their horn or locking their car or whatever. Um, so for me, my digital spaces is like, how am I going to have a healthy social media presence? So social media is not for everyone. Social media is not the cure. Just saying that 
having a million followers is not going to be your mental health cure, um, even though it's nice. <laughs> um, it's a powerful tool. Social media is a powerful tool for connection, for inspiration, but it can also be toxic. It can be an all-consuming black hole um, that can really suck the life of, out of you. So it's okay to take breaks. Um, it's okay to leave. You know, it's okay to not post an angry YouTube video um, or a passive-aggressive tweet. You don't need to do it. You don't need to seek validation from others. You don't need other people liking your content in terms of like giving you a like on Instagram or liking your tweet or sharing your post or commenting on your on your sad um, Facebook story because no one wished you happy birthday and you were mad about that and you wanted people to know. So you posted that on Facebook. <laughs> um, you don't need to do that. Trust me. You can let yourself heal in a different way. Reach out to someone. So, like, this was a big thing. Like, if you um, are struggling with a breakup or a really hard relationship and you're not able to contact that person or you shouldn't contact that person because it's unhealthy, contact a different person. Have a, you know, a plan with your best friend, with someone that you trust. Um, for me, I know my friends where it's like, if I wanted to text this person, I would text them and be like, hey, I'm feeling like this way right now. I'm feeling really anxious. I'm feeling really scared. Um, and I just... I want to talk about it. <laughs> I need a space for a moment. Like, can we hold space? Um, and, you know, me and my friends now, we have these weekly check-ins. We call it late-night chats. <laughs> and the first hour is just is just talking, venting, just saying what's on our mind, saying what's what we're feeling, what we're struggling with. Um, sometimes it's 30 minutes. Sometimes it's an hour. And then after that hour, we do self-care. So we watch a movie, um, we do tarot readings for each other. We support each other and provide that space of growth um, and that space of healing. And so for me, um, I've unfollowed people that I've had to unfollow. I've muted people. I've soft blocked people. I've created healthier um, spaces on my social media stories. So that way, like certain people don't see it or like I don't have to like hear someone's opinion of me, like, I don't need your opinion, your opinion does not affect me, but sometimes your words can be hurtful and you don't have to say those things, um, so I'm doing what I have to protect myself to be safe, so work on those boundaries, work on those social media boundaries, those digital boundaries, work on those boundaries with other people, and, you know, sometimes, like, people are going to say something and it's going to hurt you, but don't let them win, you know what I mean, like, your boundary is like, I'm going to hold my energy. I'm going to save my energy for someone else. I'm not going to give you that satisfaction. I'm not going to give you that energy wasting my time on something that you're not even going to listen to, that you're not even going to care about, and I'm still going to feel shitty after saying it. Uh, because what I really want is this. You know, I really want love. I really want acceptance. I really don't want to be yelled at. Um, and also, find healthier ways to cope. <laughs> I know it's hard nowadays. Um, for me, it's doing this podcast. So this is mental health for me. Um, it's very therapeutic to talk about it, to let it out. Um, tarot readings, I, uh, I have my tarot deck. I do a lot of tarot spreads, um, a lot of insight, a lot of grounding work. Um, I talk to my friends or I'm vocal with my friends. Uh, I feel my feelings. So, you know, with this new moon in Cancer, 
very moody, very emotional. Um, I've cried like three times in the past two days. I'm not mad about it. I'm happy. I'm releasing whatever needs to be released into the world. So do something that makes you smile. Do something to make your day better. Do something to make your day meaningful. And if that, if that means you got up out of bed today, you sat down, and you just took a moment to breathe, that's your victory. If you are like, you know what, I really want um, to take a shower today. You know, it's been day three. Um, I'm really depressed, but I'm going to take a shower. Cool. You took a shower. That is your win. That is your one thing. Keep a log. Um, Keep a log of it. I actually have a positive uh, moments log on my computer where every week I will write down something And not every day is going to have a positive moment. So don't think of this forced positivity, of this toxic positivity culture of like, I always have to be happier. I always have to be like the best version of myself. I always have to have the best day. Sometimes you're going to have shitty days. Um, I have some days on that positive checklist. There's been like two or three days where there's nothing. But like the day after that, something amazing happened. So I look at it as like a week of positive moments. So that way... If I had a difficult day or I had a difficult few days, I know that one day out of that whole week, there was some reason to smile. There's something that made me happy. There's something that made me laugh. There's something that made me forget about the pain that I was feeling. So only you know what that is or what that looks like. Um, And some people don't know. So that's where reaching out to a friend, so a really respected person in your life, that's willing to support you to find the answer. So not looking for advice per se, but looking for the space to find meaning, to find joy, to find inspiration. And sometimes it's connecting with others to find what truly makes us happy in the world. So thank you. It's a little bit of a longer episode today. Um, I had a lot on my mind, but I really appreciate everyone listening to this podcast for saying the lovely things that you have said. I appreciate all of your support. Um, So you can find me on Instagram. Um, I'll put my handles in the show notes. I'm finally able to link things. Um, I know a couple years ago I wasn't able to. Now I'm able to link things. Love it. Um, Don't forget to follow my journey. So if you like queer radio, follow queer radio um, wherever you get podcasts. So wherever you are subscribed, you can find Queer Radio on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Spotify, um, on Anchor. You can find it on Stitcher. You can find it on, um, I think, Outcast. I forget if that's one of the names of the podcast platforms. But if you listen to a podcast, chances are Queer Radio is being distributed there. So find it wherever you find podcasts. Take care of yourself, okay? Take care of yourself. 2020 is about you your mental health despite your journey i know 2020 is almost over i know we're in july i know my birthday is like in two weeks or whatever but you got this i believe in you so take care of yourself and i'll see you i'll talk to you when i can take care